Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're almost halfway through August and the light at the end of the proverbial Sunbelt Tunnel is getting brighter. We'll get to today's episode shortly, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode, the sixth in our season preview series where we spoke with Marshall head coach Charles Huff about the upcoming season for the Thundering Herd. If you haven't already, you're certainly going to make want to make time in your schedule to give that show a listen. Today on episode 102 of the show, we're excited to be continuing our season preview series, this time with the Georgia Southern Eagles and head coach Clay Helton. The Eagles, Caden, orchestrated one of the more impressive turnarounds in the FBS last season, finishing last year with a 6-7 and seven record that included a Camellia Bowl appearance, as well as a victory over Big Ten foe Nebraska in Lincoln. Caden, year one of the Clay Helton era was certainly a resounding success for Georgia Southern. Much like the team we talked about on Friday in Marshall, this Eagles squad looks destined for another step forward in 2023, and particularly if they see improvement from that defense. Yeah, you can definitely call this team really one of the most improved teams in the country last season when you look at how they had to switch their personnel on both sides of the ball and how they were able to be really effective particularly on offense and able to win games so fast in a completely different scheme than what they've been running and I think going into this year now you have to have definitely more confidence and them kind of building on the solid foundation they started off with last season and kind of moving forward progressing maybe winning some of those tight games they weren't able to finish last season so I'm definitely excited specifically about this offense their defense needs to improve, which we'll talk about a ton with Coach. But I think they kind of have the blueprint and the roadmap as far as, okay, this is what we were successful in last year. Let's lean into that and get better at some of the small things we weren't good at last season. Well, Caden, as promised, uh, we're talking Georgia Southern football in this episode. Clay Helton is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Helton. Well, we are excited to have Georgia Southern head football coach Clay Helton on the Prairie and Smith podcast. Clay, thanks for taking some time out of your very busy schedule. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Well, Clay, let's jump right in. Summer, uh, you guys were running camps. You guys were recruiting. I'm sure you got to spend some time with family. Uh, What were some of the highlights of your summer? Well, college football has gotten to pretty much about 365 days a year. You know, you really get the opportunity now um, because of the the NCAA rules to be with your football team. That's not how it was when I started 29 years ago. Um, so getting that opportunity not only to see summer strength and conditioning, but also to have the opportunity to do some walkthroughs, the opportunity to meet with, meet with the kids. Um, it gives you a great advantage of leading into training camp, especially with newcomers. You know, you're basically welcoming half your half your signing class is coming in midterm and then the other half is coming over summer. So it allows you to build your culture, allows you to implement some schemes and really prepare for training camp. And oh, yeah, June just happens to be a a very heavy recruiting month as it is, too. So uh, you're going pretty much 365 in college football. Appreciate you joining us on the show, Coach. You came to Statesboro with an extensive resume, which included a Pac-12 title in 2017 at USC. I haven't been to LA, but I have been to Statesboro, and I imagine those two places are a little bit different. Why was that the right decision for you and your family, and what have been some of your favorite parts of your first season with the team? 
Yeah, you, you know, I had 12 wonderful years out in Los Angeles and uh, being a part of a very storied program in USC. And sometimes God closes one door and he opens another door that fits you absolutely perfectly. Um, you know, and that's what Georgia Southern uh, was to me, uh, is having the opportunity very similar uh, to USC that is has a storied tradition. I, I look outside my window each and every day, have a cup of coffee, and there's six national championship flags going across Boston. So those same expectations and standards are right there, just like USC. Now, the traffic's a little bit different. <laughs> I will say that instead of an hour-long traffic, <laughs> it's about seven minutes to get in the office. But there's still great passion uh, in both places. Uh, you, you know, they, they have a, a tradition of excellence at USC and Georgia Southern that you walk into and you know there's the utmost respect for. So um, very similar in that format um, from a personal life, being back in the Southeast, being closer to family uh, and, and having that opportunity to see my mom and dad, my brother, who's the head coach at Western Kentucky a little bit more. Personally, that has been nice. For me. Yeah, I bet that's been great. I too, uh, you know, can imagine that that shorter commute to, has been a, a dream come true uh, for you. Um, your team won six games uh, last year, including making it to a bowl game all in your first season at the helm. Uh, what would you attribute that sharp turnaround to? And what do we need to see in order to keep that momentum rolling into this year? Yeah, we, we accomplished some nice things uh, last year uh, with a group that, if you remember, in 2021, they had a three-win season. I, I thought the biggest area of growth for our team was just our confidence, you know, uh, having a little bit of a swagger about us and say, hey, we can not only compete against anybody, we can win games against anybody and do some really special things. And you look up and we get a big power five win uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is not an easy place to play. Um, you get a top 25 win uh, at home against a really good James Madison team. And you got a chance to beat your arch rival in App State to, to earn postseason play um, and, and get back into postseason play. So those were some things I thought are the area of growth, you know, in building confidence really happened for us. And we can carry that in to the 2023 season. Now, again, like I talked about earlier, this is a championship uh, expectation organization. So each and every year, we're looking to be a consistent team that is always competing for Sunbelt championships. And that's now our next step is to put ourselves uh, in a position to win a conference championship against a league that I think is the premier group of five league there is out there when you look from top to bottom, the competitiveness uh, of the Sunbelt. And coach, it's no secret that the style of offense you ran was a big part of that success. And it's not easy to transition from that style, from the option style. I mean, it's a hard adjustment for every single position. I think about those offensive linemen and the schemes they have to learn. What's been, what do you think led to that transition being such a smooth one for your team and your offense being effective so quickly? Well, if you remember, I've got to credit Jared Benko here, our athletic director. I thought he was so proactive in saying, you know what, we found our guy. We're going to hire him. I got hired November the 2nd. I got to watch the last three games of the 21 season, not only evaluate staff, but more importantly, evaluate personnel and to look at and say, oh, my goodness, there's a Caleb Hood here. There's a Derwin Burgess here. There's a Jalen White here. We're trying to build a national brand, not a regional brand, but something that looks as as a national respect as we grow into this playoff, hopefully expanded playoff system that you are going to garner some national respect. And to be able to do that, to be able to acquire the type of players we want, 
we needed to shift our offense to, uh, to make sure that from a quarterback, wideout, running back standpoint, it's a very attractive to come to Statesboro because of the offensive numbers that you can put up. Um, when we first talked about it, I think everybody looked at it, <laughs> the community said, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Uh, but, it, you know, one of the things that I've always felt that is if you're if you're scoring points and you're winning games, uh, everything seems to be right. And so. When we had the skill around us, one thing that we felt like we needed to improve on as far as a room was our quarterback position. Uh, and we were very fortunate uh, to bring Kyle Van Tries in, uh, who was experienced at Buffalo, had really done a tremendous job of leading that organization, uh, watched about every throw he'd ever thrown in college, and having the opportunity to get him on campus and see his leadership skills, his intangibles, to watch that film and see his decision-making, his timing, his accuracy, and we knew we had the guy. Um, and so now we're very fortunate to bring in the likes of Davis Brim and J.C. French and to have a, a extremely strong room right now um, that we feel that can continue to carry us not only to what we accomplished last year, but beyond. Coach, you've clearly done a few uh, media interviews because that was a great segue into our next question. You know, at Media Days, we heard a lot about Davis Brin and how he was different from Kyle Van Trees, both as a passer and an athlete. Uh, he comes in transferring from Tulsa, and we wanted to ask you, what's impressed you with him this offseason and how he's handled that transition and then his skill set on the field? Yeah, definitely. It, it reminds us a lot of Kyle. You know, here's it, you're not in a guessing game, can he play or not. There's visual evidence of multiple years of him doing some really special things. Matter of fact, his sophomore year, when you look at the at the production he had at Tulsa with Coach Montgomery, really blew us out of the water. His junior year was filled with some injuries, and so there was a slight step back. But you go back to that sophomore year and say, "Oh my gosh, a healthy Davis Brin is somebody that could help us win a championship." So to be able to bring him in and J.C. French, we really felt like, gosh dang, we're bringing in two really quality quarterbacks with a room that we had with Kobe Walton, uh, David Dallas, uh, Colton Fitzgerald, that we really felt, man, this is a strong, strong room now that, that can carry us. Davis brings great intangibles. Uh, he can be the face of a program, highly intelligent, was able to pick up the system automatically in the spring. And then you just see his poise and his maturity. And that comes from reps. It comes from experience. It comes from leading a team. And you, and I always say the players know best. You, you know, you see you see the wideouts, their big smile that they had when Davis got on campus, like, all right, this show is keeping on going. We've got that We've got that arm talent that we had with Kyle. Uh, we got the athleticism in the pocket to be able to to create. Uh, and Davis, uh, you know, I think really came in humble, hungry, uh, and really earned the respect of this football team. Coach, you definitely touched on it before, but this style of offense, like you mentioned, is one that's going to be att attractive specifically to those wide receivers and those quarterbacks and those skill positions. I mean, we talked to Caleb Hood at Media Days about how he loved going from blocking a ton to getting a ton of targets in this offense. Moving forward, how do you see yourself in the future balancing those position groups and having players in the portal who probably want to come to your program and developing your own players in-house as freshmen and above? Yeah, you know, you look at last year, and that's the beauty of this offense as the ball gets spread around. I think of an Amari Jones who lit the world on fire early before injury. Derwin Burgess, who was making Sports Center top 10 highlight films, it seemed like each, each and every week. Um, a Jeremy Singleton, who really had a very productive year prior to injury. Uh, and then Caleb, who now is leading all of receivers uh, in, in Georgia Southern history. Um, but I, I will say this, probably the best hidden secret 
right now. And, and the guy that I think is going to make national news is Jalen White. And I said that during media days because that's a huge part of this offense is to be able to have that back. Jalen in 10 games had 1,100 yards last year, both run, rushing the ball as well as catching the ball out of the backfield and being that three down back. So when you look at a recruit coming in here, you, you go, oh my gosh, okay, I'm a running back. I can be a thousand yard rusher. I can catch the ball at the backfield. I'm going to show myself as a pass protector. I'm going to show the NFL that I'm a three down back. That's very important. That's very attractive. Then you look at the wide receiver position and say, you know what? They don't have one guy. They have four guys across the board that are getting the ball, that are getting 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 catches a piece. You know, and then obviously from a quarterback standpoint, you look at it and you're saying, gosh, this is a team that can throw for 4,000 plus yards each and every year. Plus, I'm going to get protected. 600 throws last year, only seven sacks. You know, so this system with the offensive line and all the pieces that are around you skill wise and can do some really special things. And that's why I think you've seen such an attraction both in the 23 class, what we brought in, as well as uh, as well as the 24 class right now. Yeah, there's no denying as we talk to guys around the league, uh, there are people who would love to play in the offense uh, that you guys have down in Statesboro. Coach, uh, in stark contrast, it's no uh, secret really that the defense struggled last year. Uh, you guys bring in Brandon Bailey from Buffalo, a guy that's familiar with this Georgia Southern program. Uh, what's impressed you about him in his short time in Statesboro? And do you feel confident that we're going to see vast improvement on that defense in 23? I do. You know, um, credit to Will Harris, our defensive coordinator last year, who went on to the San Diego Chargers. So happy for him. I thought he did a great job with the personnel that we had. We need really needed a second recruiting cycle for our defensive side of the ball. We were able to get some pieces together as well as some nice senior leadership. Uh, but then all of a sudden we look up in November and there's 15 season ending injuries. <laughs> it was like, oh, my gosh, we lack the depth uh, right now to be what we want to be. And so we've altered our personnel a bunch. We really concentrated in the 23 class on defense, especially in the back end. We bolstered a bigger defensive front. And then with Brandon coming in, he does the one thing that I think is extremely important with our style of offense, and that's get the ball back. I, I look at my, my younger brother's the head coach at Western Kentucky. You look at the formula of what they did last year, not only with one of the most high-powered offenses, but Tyson Summers doing a really nice job of getting the ball back, one of the top turnover teams in the country. And that's what Brandon did. Uh, you know, we got to see it firsthand eyewitness in the bowl game going against Buffalo, and they were seventh in the country in getting the ball back in turnovers, top third in the country in third down defensive efficiency. That creates a separation. When you got this high-powered in offense, all of a sudden you look up and immediately you're two, three scores ahead, and it's too hard to come back. It seemed like every game last year we were in a nail-biter game, each and every game, close game. We won half of them. We lost half of them. And now we're hoping that we can create that separation by doing what is effective for this offense, turnovers and third down efficiency. Yeah, time of possession definitely becomes at a premium when you run that style of offense. But staying on defense up front, whether it was stopping the run or getting after the quarterback, this unit struggled. Has that been a point of emphasis this offseason when you look at this reworked defensive line and working with Coach Rip Rowan? And how much do you anticipate that kind of side of the ball, whether it's getting after the passer or getting after the pass rush and stopping the run? How much do you see that being an impact this season on the defense? 
Yeah, I'm really excited defensively, especially with the young edge rushers that we have. When I think about Deshaun Davis and Isaac Walker and Davion Rhodes and Jacob Ferguson, uh, MJ Stroud, you're talking about some guys that I I really think are going to create havoc on third down. And that was our biggest area of growth on defense is getting off the field. Um, And so I I really think looking at Brandon, not only in the bowl game, but now having the chance to go through the spring uh, with him, there's going to be vast areas of improvement on that and, and being able to give our offense the ball back, especially in this new, you know, new rules that we're facing this year. Uh, opportunities are going to be a key when you talk about the new first down rule and not stopping the clock. So, you know, those opportunities, a few or less plays offensively, you got to get that ball back. And that's where I think our biggest area of growth is going to be is on third down, especially with those pass rushers. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see how those new rules affect teams such as yourself, a Western Kentucky, uh, you know, the new timing rules. Coach, the one thing uh, your team, uh, your linebacking core seems very solidified. You've got Marcus Watson, Trent, Cadre Jackson there uh, returning this season, but behind, and we mentioned a moment ago, that secondary, you had a lot of losses. You guys bring in a lot of guys uh, from the transfer portal. What are you expecting from that unit as a whole, your secondary? Yeah, you, you look at what we did in the secondary. I thought our first group last year did a great job until we suffered some injuries, and we really wanted to provide depth, but we wanted to provide experience. And so when you look at a T.J. Smith coming from Kansas State, you look at a Cam Williams coming from Washington, a Hickman coming from East Carolina and others, you're looking at maturity and guys that have played college reps and played them very well. Um, and so all of a sudden it, it, it felt kind of night and day, you, you know, as far as it, it, the first and and second team were both productive. There wasn't a big drop-off uh, in there. So when you look at our depth right now across the board uh, as a total team, I think that's where people are going to see, hey, we're going to have the opportunity to play a lot of guys and there not be a fall-off production going from the ones to the twos. Last question for you, Coach. The offseason workouts are over. You're heading into fall camp. Maybe who are some players on either offense or the defensive side of the ball that fans or the media aren't as familiar with that based on what you've seen, you could predict having a big season or a breakout year? Yeah, you know, defensively, I probably two of the guys that have done a tremendous job probably had the best springs uh, in the in the back end. One was T.J. Smith. Obviously, you know, we know that family and how his brother being at Georgia now, but in the NFL. But his productivity that he brought to spring, I thought, was at a very high level. And then the development of Mark Stampley, uh, both at corner and at the nickel position, uh, did a wonderful job coming off a good freshman year. He looks like he's ready to take it the next step. I talked about those defensive ends. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited about what they're going to be able to do to create havoc, uh, as well as, you know, the interior. Latrell Bullard, I'm expecting a big second year from Western Wallace, who we bring in from Georgia, 340-pound nose tackle. There's some beef now on that defensive line to be able to stop those run games within this league. Offensively, you know, I'm I'm really excited about the two gentlemen that are coming back, obviously, in Caleb Hood and Duran Burgess. Uh, but I, I, you know, a guy that had a tremendous a tremendous spring. Uh, was AQ, was Queeley, Anthony Queeley, and being able to watch him come from Syracuse, be very productive. Marcus Sanders, who's on the outside, who had a good true freshman year, he's going to increase. Uh, and then when in doubt, like I said, hand it to 25. Uh, hand, it to, <laughs> hand it to Jalen White. I think he's going to have a, 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 one of those NFL all-star years uh, that that's going to propel him to the next level. 
Hey, he certainly makes uh, your guys' job easier. Coach, before we let you go, I want to know, what's it going to take for you to call up your brother and get a matchup between Georgia Southern and Western Kentucky on the schedule? I, I think that could break a Guinness World Record in points in a football game. Yeah, it'd be about a six-hour football game, I think, at the end of the day. I think it's my mom's worst nightmare. You know, we were we were getting towards the end of the season, and there were some bowl projections out there, and my mom was like, oh, my God, they're all saying that y'all are playing in a bowl game. <laughs> and I think that's her worst fear in life, uh, but so proud. Uh, I mean, uh, being an older brother, uh, so proud of Tyson and what he's doing, uh, you know, Austin Reed and Bailey Zappi, that the system has been proven to produce great quarterbacks. He's doing such a phenomenal job. Um, it, there would it, it would be uh, made for TV. That's for dang sure. Get your popcorn out. That'd be a lot of points for sure. Well, we're definitely going to have to talk to Jared Banco and try to make that happen. Coach, uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, good luck the rest of the way as, as fall camp gets underway. Thanks again for uh, joining us on the Frarian Smith Podcast. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Hail Southern. And all I can say, Clay Helton, a smooth operator. And as we joked about on the podcast, he has to enjoy the difference in commute that he has in Statesboro, Georgia, as opposed to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, definitely a change of scenery for Coach Helton, but he definitely capitalized it and definitely showed some comfort being in Statesboro and how he approached his season at the helm. But I think him moving forward now, I think he's going to just settle into this vibe, this environment, the fan base, everything that comes with being in this Georgia Southern program. I expect him to have just a new level of comfort and swagger heading into this season and maybe bringing some of that L.A. flair with him to Statesboro. Yeah, certainly uh, fans down in Statesboro would love to see even more of that, Kane. It was also interesting. We joked with him at the end of that interview. What do we have to do to make it happen? Western Kentucky and his brother Tyson versus Clay Helton and Georgia Southern in a football game? That one might set records for points on the scoreboard if it ever happened. Yeah, it would definitely be able to compete with the App State and UNC game we saw last year. The, just the battle of the brothers, though. Let the battle of the brothers happen. Let both of these offenses air it out. We might just take Lyman off the field and just have a glorified 7-on-7 seven seven with those two, two teams. I know I would watch. I know a lot of people would watch because it would be a ton of offensive fireworks for sure. Yeah, that one uh, would be fun to watch. We're going to have to maybe try to talk that one into existence. Well, as everyone knows, Georgia Southern finished last season 6-7, and seven, but they were just 3-5 and five in Sunbelt play. They returned to a bowl game for the first time since 2020, albeit losing 23-21 to to Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl. Then they just hired Buffalo's defensive coordinator. We'll talk about that more uh, later on in this episode. But, Kane, they also recorded that historic win over Nebraska, along with defeating then number 25-ranked James Madison in October. Plug your ears here, Kane. They also took down rival App State to end the regular season. They're picked to finish fifth in the Sunbelt East this year by the coaches. But, Caden, I'm not buying that a fifth-place finish is in the cards for Clay Helton in his second season. I'm not either. And when you look at this defense, they have to improve. They have no choice but to improve. There's no way they can be even worse. And when you look at this offense, I think you can expect to see very similar things and effectiveness that we saw give a ton of teams problems last year. Some of the best teams in the conference doesn't matter who you are. Georgia Southern's offense does not discriminate as far as scoring points and putting yards up against defenses. I think they're going to also be able to do that this season. And you touched on some of those big wins, and I think that's a big key for this team. If this team would have went 6-7 and seven and won all the games against all the opponents they should have beat or teams that had losing records, that'd be one thing. But the fact that they were able to go toe-to-toe with App State and double overtime and win that game, despite me hating watching that, was a huge upgrade and a huge just sign of confidence for this team being able to go to Nebraska as well and get that win, being able to beat James Madison. So I think they have a lot of that DNA and those guys from last year who've shown themselves, hey, we can stand toe-to-toe with some of the best competition 
that this conference has to offer and perform, that's going to give them huge confidence going into this year. So I think this unit this season as a whole, this team as a whole, is going to stand toe-to-toe with everyone they play and feel like they can win, which is usually half the battle when you're heading into these games in the conference. Yeah, that's a fair point. And Kate, it's backed up by some of the results last year. You have a four-point loss on that Myrtle hurdle at Coastal Carolina. You lose kind of a heartbreaker in that rivalry game to Georgia State by eight. And then you have a nearly two-touchdown lead on South Alabama with 10 minutes to go. You can't win that. This could have been a nine-win football team a season ago. Caden, a big reason why was Kyle Van Trees. He rewrote the Georgia Southern record books in his lone season at Georgia Southern. The Buffalo transfer threw for over 4,200 yards and had 27 touchdown passes, although his 14 interceptions really hurt him. Caden, he's out of eligibility, so the Eagles are expected to turn to another transfer. This time, it's Tulsa's Davis Brin. Brin has thrown for over 5,400 yards in his career and is responsible for 35 career touchdowns. Kane, when you lose a guy like Kyle Van Trish, you're going to have a question mark at the quarterback position. But from what we're hearing about Davis Brent, it sounds like Georgia Southern already has the answer to that question. Yeah, there's really only one phrase that I would use to describe this offense heading into the season, and that's Davis Brent plug and play. All the pieces that we're going to talk about moving forward or back, a lot of that core offensive weapons and guys up front that were a reason for this team's success, this offense's success, rather, they're all there. The quarterback's not, though, and I think, like I've mentioned before, the fact that Davis Brin comes into this offense, we're hearing great things about how catchable his ball is, how he's got the physical traits and the traits off the field to lead this offense and take command. You have no reason not to feel promised about him coming and stepping to this role and maybe even doing better than Kyle Van Trees did. I don't want to knock Kyle because he had a fantastic season last year. He's all over the school record books now. He's all conference. But Davis Brin is coming to the table with more tools and more production than Kyle Van Trees did. This is a guy that's had 18 and 17 touchdown seasons. He's thrown for 3,000 and 4,000 yards. He has a lot of he's has had a lot of key moments in his career that give me promise that his game will translate. Well, he had a 460 yard outing, like I mentioned, three touchdowns against Wyoming in the home opener. This is a dude that outplayed C.J. Stroud in a loss to Ohio State, where he threw for 428 yards and two touchdowns. This is a guy who won the. Myrtle Beach Bowl MVP with 285 yards and two touchdowns. I think this is a guy who's proven even more than Kyle Van Trees did last season that he's groomed for this position. And the biggest catalyst, I think, is that offensive line. We talked about how well they did last season at protecting Kyle Van Trees, one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the nation. Will Rogers was the only quarterback in the nation last season that threw more pass attempts than Kyle Van Trees, who threw 610 attempts to 604. Will Rogers was sacked 24 times last year. Kyle Van Trees was sacked six times. That's a 1% rate. Only two players leave that line. They bring back a ton of experience. It's an excellent unit. Davis Brent is going to have time to cook. Very excited to see him play in this offense with a lot of weapons and familiar faces that we saw last season. Yeah, certainly no denying that uh, Davis Brent has the talent. He's dealt with some injuries uh, throughout his career, but he's healthy now. And if he can stay healthy this season, watch out for Georgia Southern in this offense. Kane, despite it being an air raid offense, though, and you talked about offensive line here, here's another unit that's going to benefit, and that's the running backs. Uh, They still run it quite frequently. Jalen White is back. Uh, He ran for 914 yards and 10 touchdowns despite missing the last two games of the season. You heard how high Coach Helton was on him in this interview. You've got O.J. Arnold back. You've got redshirt freshman Terrence Gibbs in the backfield as well. Really the only notable departure, and it's a big one, uh, Gerald Green, who was the number two running back a season ago. This unit was the perfect complement to that air raid last year, Kane rushing for 137 yards per game. And with guys like Whiteback and some of these other pieces, there's no reason to believe that they can't meet and even exceed those expectations this fall. 
Yeah, most definitely no. And I have no interest in my career ever at playing running back. But if I did have to play running back in any system, it would be this one. I just love how they're able to set up the pass and get the light boxes for Jalen White to operate and cook in. He still managed to have a thousand all-purpose yards last season, despite missing the last two games. He probably would have been a pure thousand-yard rusher if he played in those last two. But we know what he's capable of. I think outside of Frank Gore, you could argue that he's one of the most versatile backs in the conference and a perfect fit for this scheme. What he's able to do both in between the tackles, outside of the tackles. And a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. I expect him to have another great year and continue to build on what he did last season. You talked about it. He has some pretty good depth behind him. I think OJ Arnold made the most of his snaps in those last two games. Last season where White wasn't there, he had 6.4 yards per carry in that stretch. Terrence Gibbs, we've heard great things about him as a redshirt freshman. So I think this running back room is going to be solid. I think Jalen White is going to be the tip of the spear yet again and have another great season where if he figures some stuff out even more, we could be talking first team all conference, even if he's able to do productive numbers with the LaDamian Webbs, with the Rashid Ali's, with the Frank Gores. It's going to be about can he maybe level up and take his game to a new height. Yeah, Caden, overall, you say all of that. You got to feel really good about this offense heading into 2023. You've got Davis Brin uh, back. Uh, you've got three solid running back options, 115 starts returning on that offensive line. But, Caden, we might have see- saved the most exciting part of this offense for last, and that's this wide receiver room. Uh, Caleb Hood is back. Derwin Burgess are the headliners. We've heard fantastic things about the Syracuse transfer, Anthony Queeley. They call him Q in the program. Uh, he's a name to watch out for. You've got eight of your top 11 targets back this fall. This unit averaged 329 yards of receiving a season ago in Brian Ellis's system. Caden, if they get consistent quarterback play this year, which is trending in the right direction, this unit could easily solidify themselves as the Sun Belt's best wide receiving unit this fall. Yeah, they can definitely do that. And I think they're definitely having the makings and building up that kind of brand identity of kind of wide receiver university at Georgia Southern, the way they're building up that room right now. You have Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess coming back. We obviously expect them to have fantastic seasons yet again and potentially get even better in their second year in this offense. The question is going to be, who are those other pieces going to be? Jeremy Singleton was a big loss for this team. He had 66 grabs last season, 714 yards. Mari Jones was very productive in the red zone as well. He had six touchdowns. The question is going to be, who's that next guy? You mentioned eight of their 11 are back from last season. So it could be someone within this group that we haven't really seen before. Caleb Hood talked about some potential guys that could rise up and step up some underclassmen this year. But you have to be optimistic between that and the three transfers they brought in with Jalen Barden from Pitt, Anthony Quigley from Syracuse, like you mentioned. And I think the tight end, six seven tight end Keaton Upshaw that comes in from Kentucky is another intriguing piece that might be able to add a new dynamic to this team, both blocking and passing. But I'm just really excited to see who this next target is going to be. I think Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess, we know Caleb can do it all. We know Derwin's going to get those deep balls, those 50-50 passes. Who else is going to be able to find their footing, find their momentum and get that connection with Davis Brin going heading into the season? My money's on Keeley, just based on the size and the production he's had. But I'm excited for this unit and very optimistic about them being able to double down on the fantastic year they had last season. Caden, to your point, I feel like anytime Georgia Southern takes the field and that game's on television, this will be one uh, that we are tuned in watching. Switching sides of the ball, let's talk some defense, Caden. And really, there's no denying, there's no hiding uh, that this defense was poor at best this past year. Um, a simply, you know, simply passable, maybe even middle of the road defense probably would have resulted in a few more wins in those close games. They're bringing back just four starters on defense, a defense that gave up 488 yards per game and 31.6 points per game a season ago. They're going to be anchored by that linebacking unit consisting of Cadre Jackson and Marcus Watson, Trent Caden. Plus, you've got Latrell Bullard inside up front. 
Uh, new defensive coordinator Brandon Bailey has really worked hard to remake this defense this offseason. Kane, are you buying improvement from this Georgia Southern defense this fall? I don't know if I'm buying it, but we're definitely going to find out here. Coach Helton said they definitely needed time and they needed a second recruiting class. Well, now is the time. They can only get better, I think. I don't know how much better they can get, but I think they brought in Brandon Bailey, who specifically has goals, and Clay Helton specifically said there's things that his defenses have trademarks of that they want to be present this year that they want to happen. I think it all starts up front with getting after the quarterback and being able to stop the run. They're excited about their young edge rushers, Deshaun Davis and Isaac Walker, both sophomores that are expected to have more playing time this year coming off of their freshman years. Davion Rhodes comes back from an injury. Jacob Ferguson, he's a, um, a community college transfer. MJ Stroud had a handful of snaps and was redshirted last season. So there's going to be some less familiar faces on the edges of this team and on the defensive line. The question is, can they do what Coach Helton and Bailey want them to do? And that's get off of the field and get their offense back the ball. I think they're going to be a big part of that. And the same thing goes for the secondary. They want to have those turnovers. They want to get the ball back to their offense. And I think they had some huge losses last year. Derek Tank Canteen's a huge one. He's an all-conference guy and a freshman All-American. Anthony Wilson was a safety that was one of the top tacklers in the conference. And then you use you lose corners like Najee Thompson and Wyland Free, who was a safety that had a lot of great production for them last year. Um, Tyler Bribe was the nickel for them. They lost a ton in the secondary that already got exposed last year. So it's going to be about can those transfers that Coach Helton was so optimistic on, can they make do? Can they gel? Can they play well? You talk about a TJ Smith from Kansas State, a Cam Williams from Washington, and a Daniel Hickman from ECU. Those are experienced guys like Coach Helton mentioned. They bring that maturity, but they don't bring a ton of starting experience. So I'm not really worried about can one of these guys stand out and be a breakout performer? It's going to be about can they play cohesively as a unit and just limit those mistakes from last year and get the ball back to the offense. But you talk about the linebacking core, I'm not worried about this group at all. Cadre Jackson, huge shout out to him for filling in that role last season when Todd Bradley Glenn went out with an injury. He stepped up big and was this team's third leading tackler. And you talked about Marquez, Marquez Watson Trent, who we talked about at length and at too literally at media days about what he can do for this defense. He's the anchor. He's going to use those instincts. He's going to be a guy that rallies this team. I think this defensive side of the ball starts and ends with him. Hopefully he can be contagious to the rest of this group and kind of bring along that secondary and that defensive line that are a little bit less experienced. Yeah, Caden, that's huge. And I think that's kind of where I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, Jackson and Watson Trent. They combined for 198 tackles last season. Uh, you bring in Terry and Lee from Texas A&M. Plus, you also get the Division II All-American Devon Gilmore from Wingate in that linebacking core. Caden, it feels like it's going to be a much more experienced unit and deeper to this season. You mentioned, uh, you know, just some of the question marks on defense, but th this linebacking unit, Caden, there just aren't a lot of questions. I feel like that's something that Georgia Southern is going to be able to rely upon. They can rely on it, but the scary thing about having your strength in the linebacker position, and we kind of talked about with this with Coastal and some of their deficiencies as a defense, the linebacking unit can only do so much, and most of their job is pre-snap. They're going to make sure the guys are lined up and doing what they got to do, but once the ball is snapped, they kind of have to move and navigate based on what the defensive line does, and that kind of goes all the way back to the secondary. So I think as long as they show improvement up front, That'll be a huge plus for this linebacking core. This linebacking core had a lot of empty stats, a lot of tackles last season that didn't necessarily result in w wins and losses. But I think they can step up on the defensive line, make some cleaner pictures for these guys, kind of knock things back versus catching some tackles. I think it'll be fine. But yes, this linebacking core is going to be the strength of this team. I like the Wingate addition. He's a guy who was a D2 All-American, 95 tackles, 20 for loss, six and a half sacks. I think they'll be able to run around and be athletic in that linebacking core. The question is going to be, can they be athletic and make turnovers on the back end? And can up front, can they get some penetration? Yeah, some great points there, Caden. Uh, one big concern, though, that I do have heading into the fall is on special teams. 
Last year, this was a top 40 unit in college football, according to most publications. But this year, you're losing your kicker, Alex Rayner, your punter, Anthony Beck, as well as your top punt returner. It's going to be a whole new unit heading into this fall, Caden, and it's logical uh, to imagine a step back for this unit as possible. Does that kind of concern you a little bit? It concerns me a little bit. When I look at special teams as far as this team goes, if they're improved on defense, that'll be a bigger plus for them versus any type of improvement on special teams. And I think when you look at their offensive style, they can get the most out of their special teams than anyone else. If they can control field position and have this Georgia State, or sorry, Georgia Southern offense rather, starting on short field, that's going to be very scary and a huge advantage to them. Teams are going to want to have Georgia Southern drive all the way down the field 80 yards on them. But if they can have a 50 or 40 yard field and start in their own field position, I think it's going to be very scary for defenses. So I would look for the special teams to maybe just take a step up as far as field position goes. They're not going to need to do much outside of that. But if they can get this offense, the ball in more favorable positions, a lot of that has to do with the defense taking a step up too. I think collectively, if those two units as a whole step up, the offense will just come with it along well as well. Well, let's talk schedule now uh, for 2023. The over-under, according to Las Vegas, has the Eagles sitting at six wins. And, Kane, they open the season with the Citadel. You've got the UAB at home uh, in week two. Then you head up to Wisconsin to face Luke Fickle and the Badgers. Then you travel to Ball State, a team that they beat a season ago. Things, though, do get challenging in the final week of September with Coastal Carolina coming to Statesboro before you get a bye, and then you head on the road to face a James Madison team certainly looking for some revenge after that 45-38 to 38 loss a season ago to the Eagles. Kane, you can really make some noise in this schedule in late October, early November with three straight games against ULM, Texas State, and Georgia State. They probably have one of the most favorable West Division draws in the Sun Belt. Um, this season ends, though, with two road games against Marshall and App State with a home date with Old Dominion kind of sandwiched in between. Could that be a trap game? Uh, much like we saw Coastal run into last year. Caden, I think this is an easy overcall here. I'm seeing seven games that Georgia Southern should be favored in. If you're able to down a couple of the conferences elite like you did last year, this team will be squarely in the conversation for a Sunbelt title game appearance. Yeah, there's a lot of tough schedules on the East this year, but I think if I had to pick one and had to be a team in any of them, I would definitely pick this schedule. I love how they start their first four non-conference games and get them out of the way early. Davis Brim will be able to get his momentum and catch his feet in the games against the Citadel. will maybe be able to prove himself at Wisconsin in a very big matchup for this team. And then they jump right into their conference schedule against a Coastal Carolina team that they could prove that they've already proven they can hang with. And that's the East representative. I love the schedule for this team. I think given the nature and style of their offense, they're going to be able to catch teams slipping. It's just a completely different thing to prepare for. A lot of these teams, their strength is in the run game, the defense. It's in the offensive line. But this team gives a curveball that every team's going to have to prepare extra for, and prepare for something different. So I'm excited for them overall. And I think given their schedule, I'm very excited about the potential for them to shock some teams this season. And I think they're going to give a lot of teams problems this year. It's going to be about who they're going to do it to. I'm just excited overall about this offense, Davis Brin, this schedule, and the potential of this year, this team in their second year under Coach Helton. Yeah, certainly can't wait to see uh, this team take the football field. I'm excited to get down to uh, practice and watch Georgia Southern in the weeks ahead. Uh, Well, that will do it for our Georgia Southern preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. A special thank you goes out to Georgia Southern head coach for Clay Helton for joining us, as well as to senior associate AD Brian Johnson for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that the Prairie and Smith podcast will be returning on Wednesday. Our season preview series arrives in Lafayette, Louisiana, as we welcome Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo to talk about the Raging Cajuns' upcoming season. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. 
Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. 